podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. And in Health Hacker, we break down a health topic for you in every episode. But this is a Health Hacker interview where we find out from inspiring people how they've hacked their lives and we pass this knowledge on to you. We call it Hacking the Hackers. Plus, if you've got a suggestion for someone you'd like us to hack into, send Adam a note on his socials or go to healthhackerathemanshake.com.au. Email him your suggestion. We'll get him on the podcast. And this episode, we've got a mate of the show and a mate of all of us because he loves everyone in the world, which is why it's so nice to have him. Angus or Gus Warland is a radio announcer, a lover of sport, cricket, NRL, anything really with the ball and a team's going at it. And also he's a lover of love. You really are, mate. He started something called Gotcha for Life, which he's here to talk to us about. Angus Warland, thanks for coming to Health Hacker. Good to see you, boys. Mate, well, I just noted earlier, you've lost a few kilos, mate. You're looking very, very fit indeed. And yeah. I'd put this down to probably removing yourself from breakfast radio. <laughs> Yep, you're absolutely right, Mad Dog. There's no doubt about it. Not having to get up at 3.30 in the morning is a huge help. Plus, it just refocused me in terms of looking after myself a little bit. And then, of course, I just get so energised. But look, just like you do with all the work you're doing, and you do so much stuff that people don't even understand or know about as well, but you've got energy because you're doing what you love, you know? And if you find something that you love and you can do it every day, then you really do. Um, you're blessed and you also just feel energised. You never run out of uh, power. Well, tell us about Gotcha for Life. Yeah, so Gotcha for Life started off the back of a TV show called Man Up, which actually just tipped over 70 million views worldwide. Wow. Congratulations. Which was amazing. Nice. You know, got a little note the other day saying it's into the 70 million. So, And it basically challenged masculinity in this country because I'd lost a mate of mine about 11 years ago, uh, Mad Dog. He was probably one of the best people I've ever met. He just seemed to have the answers for everything, any problem that was thrown, he was always able to just to work it through. And he had three kids and a wife. And on the day that his son, the final child, finished his HSC, he took his own life. And he had a circle in his diary. It's like he had circled that date and that was oh, the date. Oh, no. That was the date. He was like, okay, well, I've got the kids through school, so that my job is done. And there's 1,200 of us at his funeral um, a week later and all of us are looking at each other going, did you have any idea that he was going through any sort of problem? He was a problem solver. And I think in the end, now that I'm learning a bit more, he actually took his own life rather than told someone about how he felt because he didn't want to lose that mantra as being the guy that had the answers to everything. It's just so sad. So Man Up was made. And then of course, at the time I was on the grill team with Maddie, your old teammate at an MG, and um, got a chance to talk to a lot of blokes every day on Triple M. Um, so I started Gotcha for Life. And now that I'm doing Dead Set Legends on a Saturday with Dell and, and Jude, um, I have all week to be able to go off and do Gotcha for Life stuff. And that's really teaching blokes what it takes to be a man today and tomorrow rather than looking back in the past, which is a very, very hard thing to do. That stereotype of the Aussie bloke is extremely difficult to keep up. And we have blokes at the moment that just are struggling. We lose six blokes a day, every day to suicide. It's the number one way to die if you're a young Australian male and those numbers are going up. And yet it's add a couple of ladies to that as well. We lose 3,200 people a year to suicide. That's 10 times the national car average, uh, car And that's know, the thing accidents. parents freak out more. They're going, don't drive too fast instead of saying, talk to me about your problems. Exactly. How do you truly feel about things? We are getting told by kids that they are worrying alone in their own bedrooms, in their bathrooms, they're crying in the shower because the shower noise takes away the, um, the the noise of them crying and then they just put on the mask and they put on their armour and they go back in, out into the world again. Bullying doesn't stop at the school gate anymore, social media is a huge factor and just a lot of pressure on young kids and we need to teach the dads and mums 
what it takes to bring up a kid today compared to what we were brought up with because our mum and dad didn't know. Yeah, so what's the mission of uh, Gotcha for Life? What's your ultimate mission? Zero suicides in Australia. It's a huge call and it's something that we're definitely um, attacking and we want to do. The numbers at the moment, as I said, are, are just over eight a day. So those numbers have to come down to zero. Um, and that will only happen, I believe, through education. By educating everyone what it takes to be a man and a woman today in this country, that's the only way that we'll get to it. And we, I was down with ScoMo the other week in, in Canberra speaking to some other ministers. Preventative stuff is where we should be focusing. We're putting a lot of money at the moment in reactive stuff. We need to be educating and we've got to be proactive to make sure that we prevent the suicides. So how do we do that? What are some of the proactive things people can do? If you are listening to this and are struggling with mental health issues, yep. with depression or anxiety or whatever it may be, um, what would you suggest? Find someone to talk to, whether that's someone professional. I'm very lucky. I've got a couple of mates that just, they love me unconditionally. I love them unconditionally. I know I can talk to them, warts and all, and they won't judge me. Most blokes don't have someone. And if they do have someone, they haven't quite got the words to be able to express that. So they're sitting there going, I really want to have a deeper conversation, but I'm not quite sure how to start it. And then we never give ourselves a moment in Australia. You would have known it from team sport. As soon as there's a bit of silence in the dressing room, it's just before the game, that's sorted out. But if that's happened at training, there's always a smart ass, whether it was you or Joey or Maddie or someone else, they fill that gap with a smart ass comment or a joke or, you know, something to focus you in on the moment. I understand all that. But if you never have a moment to be able to sit back and go, I'm actually going through something dark and I need to talk to someone, if you never give yourself that moment, when are you, when are you ever going to have that moment? You're just going to keep burying those emotions. So find someone who has got you for life. That's why I named it Gotcha so for Life. So have we been doing mateship wrong? Absolutely we have. We've got to turn mateship into friendship. That's the absolute key because mates you can have in a footy team or you can go and watch Origin at the pub or you can just knock around with a bloke, but you can talk nonsense. We're the best in Australia. We're the best in the world at talking nonsense. The Yanks are the same. We fill our the Yanks, days. In, in the Brits do it as well? The Brits, the Yanks and us. Yep. All those numbers are horrific. Indigenous in all those countries is double the white man. And then we've got situations where the ladies are, are attempting suicide more often than the men, but they tend to be a cry for help. Not as many of them are doing it and being successful, thank God. So we've got 68,000 people a year attempting suicide in this country. That's 80 ambulances a day and another 80 where somehow we get hold of that person or someone knocks the door down and takes them to hospital. That's happening every single day, 160 a day of attempts. Mm. So we've got a massive problem. You just touched upon that. So finding somebody that you can speak to. What are some other things people can do? Diet, exercise, there's a lot of things. What are some oh, things you want to drill into Absolutely today? right. So what I like to talk about is mental fitness yep. and physical fitness. Okay. So yep. I look at my physical fitness. Last time you and I spoke and we yep. did that photo shoot and stuff, <laughs> I reckon I was probably a 2 out of 10. Yep. Um, I'm probably now 6 out of 10. Yep. I went to a boxing class now last night with the blokes and I'm running around for 45 minutes and I'm stuffed at the end of it, but I can do it. I, no way I could have done that yeah, yeah. six, seven months ago. But my mental fitness is probably at an eight or a nine because I'm dealing with stuff so well and I'm so open, I'm vulnerable, I don't care telling people how I truly feel, I haven't got any secrets to anyone, I just say it the way it is. That is such a relief not yep. to have to put on a show. Yep. Most blokes are continually putting on a mask and on the armour and just standing out there and going, I'm being a man because that's how it's meant to be. It's actually not. It's yep. actually... Fine to be resilient, fine to be hardworking, but you have someone in your life to talk to. So have that conversation. Yep. Have the guts to have the conversation. It's the manliest thing you can do. So if you're doing that as well as moving a little bit better and eating healthy food and stuff, then you're covering your mental fitness and your physical fitness at the same time. So give yourself a mark out of 20. 
you know, what is your what would you say, Mad Dog, that you are physically nine or ten out of ten? Uh, well, I try to do the right thing. I mean, so you're I try to be very it. handsome. <laughs> okay, so call that a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always things to work on. Yeah. Where, where do you think you are in terms of your mental fitness? Oh, I think I'm about an eight. So okay. I, I pr- probably the two points I give myself uh, 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 no score on or a negative score is probably my impulse control. So sometimes my temper. But, uh, okay. but you know, I do a lot of things every single day. I, I talk about it uh, on the podcast. I, I'm a big believer in the fact that we wash our bodies every day, but a lot of us don't wash our minds with negative thoughts. And so I visualize. I, being I aware of that issue is such a big step as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that takes not, you from a six to an eight. Yeah. I, I meditate every single day. I, I'm conscious of my thoughts, the language. I'm conscious of the people I hang around with. You spoke about exercising. I find a community that I belong to. Um, you know, I, I make sure that I'm hacking my environment. So, you know, I've got access to animals to pat to make me happier. So, <laughs> you know, I'm training my mind more so than my body. So that's the key. I think a lot of people are focusing so much aesthetically on what they look like rather than how they feel and how their brain works. And, yeah. you know, food is information. I always say whatever you put in your mouth is mm. feeding information to the rest of your body, to your muscles, to your joints, to your mind. So, you know, to answer your question, I'm doing my best, Gus, to really focus on the mind because for me, that's where it all starts. The most important muscle in our bodies is the one between our ears, which exactly. is our brain. Well, exactly. that research has shown, Alex, just recently that loneliness, for example, is as bad for you physically as smoking five packs of cigarettes a week. I, I believe suicide is a death of loneliness. Yeah. I yeah. truly believe you've lost connection yeah. and, and it happens a lot with ex-sportsmen mm. as well because you yeah. go from that wonderful environment, all of a sudden you're on your own. People like Matty Johns, Andrew Johns and yourself yeah. who have had success after football, you're more likely to get through it. But there's a lot of blokes there that just get left. Yeah. You know, they go back to a country town or they go back to what is looked upon in inverted commas as a mundane job and they get sort of lost. And everyone goes, well, they're a legend because they saw you win a premiership and something, but that's so far yeah. long ago, you need to have fulfilled yourself more than that. But you've touched on it there. We can always improve. We can always be better. Yeah. We shouldn't be worrying alone ever. Mm. And it, it's trying to educate yourself to know what you should share and what you shouldn't because there's got to be some resilience there. There's got to be some stuff you've got to work out for yourself. So what should we and shouldn't share? Well, that's the key. It really depends on you and what it means to you. But for me, anything to do with my finances, my family, uh, my own health and stuff, I would feel if I, they're under threat, I feel that I can phone someone and say, hey, you know, I'm very lucky I've got a good network of people I can ring up and say, you know, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Or some, some person's given me this advice. Do you reckon that's good or bad? Um, but it's all about building the village, as Adam just said, around you. You know, it takes a village to bring up a child. It takes a village to live your life yeah. is what I reckon. And that normally means you need to give a lot of yourself to be a part of that village where people go, he's not just taking all the time. He's actually giving us information. He's actually fully in, engrossed in this relationship and that means being vulnerable and what's the first thing Aussie blokes are told not to do don't be vulnerable don't lose control you're the strong one stoic get in there suck it up bury your emotions and that's just bullshit mm. you think you think digital technology is having an impact on oh, these huge sure. increasing rates of depression and 100 percent. i mean suicide. i remember school three o'clock i was always chubby at school you know so bullying stopped for me at three o'clock I got home to my street. All my mates in the street loved me no matter what. They're still my great mates now. So between sort of 3.30 by the time I got home and until 9 o'clock the next day, I have actually felt myself and I could be myself. And all of a sudden, I'm going through those school gates. All of a sudden, suck it all in again and go, right, okay, I've got to get through this. And there was some times which was, were very, very difficult. Can I ask you, what sort of impact has that, that had on your life, like bullying? Like if you're a parent, because I'm a parent about – my kids are about to start school. What, yeah. what do I do there? How do I protect them? Yeah, well, 
it's very difficult to 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 have the conversation, especially when they're, they're yeah. such a young age. You don't know whether or not it's going in or not. But you can guarantee, no matter what, whether they're telling you or not, they will be bullied for something. Yeah, right. Whether or not the father says, "Oh, that's Adam McDougall's kid." You know, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, something you've done, you dropped a ball in an origin or you should have yeah, won a yeah. semis final game or whatever it might be, that'll be something. And that kid might say something to you and it's, he doesn't know that you did that error. He doesn't yeah. care. You're just his dad. Yeah. But he's getting information all the time, all the time, and most of that stuff will stick. You know, and it's just, but he doesn't have the emotional muscle to get that out. Like but that just bad, stays. But there's not bad kids, they're just bad parents. Oh, it's just it's just people being unkind. Yeah, just unkind people or something, or someone just trying to be a bit of a smart ass or trying to get you know one up over or jealousy or whatever. It's just all those emotions and stuff. It's so complicated. So yeah. what I said to my son: whenever you feel unsafe, that's the key. If you feel unsafe at school, then you come and tell mum or I, and we'll just pull you out for a little while. Doesn't mean that we're giving into that, but let's have a proper conversation. My son came home from a school uh, when he was in year nine and he had little marks on his hands. And I'll, and I'll sort of show you, podcasters can't hear, but I'm just putting like little little ones down, like little wickets in on my hand. And he had 23 of them. And I said, what are they for? And he goes, that's every time someone called me a funny name today, whether they called him a this wow. and this. Oh, he was keeping a, a tally with he a pen. He kept a tally with a pen right. on his arm. And I said, that's well, that's sad. obviously, it's super sad. And then he burst into tears. And it's the first time I'd seen him as a teenager do yeah. that. So what was the first thing I wanted to do? I wanted to drive up to school, get the headmaster, yeah. shake him and tell him, do you realise you've got an unsafe environment? My wife is a lot calmer than me, a lot smarter <laughs> than me, goes, everyone just relax. You know, Jack, why did you do that? Why didn't, why did it get to that stage where yeah. you thought you had to do that? Conversation happened. It was just one boy at school. We went and saw the headmaster. The headmaster said, this, that's his last strike. We didn't realise but this boy had been bullying other kids and he just decided to turn on me because I was on the radio. And, he, you know, and he thought, well, you know, that bloke's dad's, you know, in inverted commas, famous, so I'm going to get stuck into him because he was jealous or whatever reason. So he got expelled from school. My son ended up having the greatest time at that school, but he was brave enough to tell me. We're getting told when we go into schools that most boys will go home, they'll brave face through mum and dad as they go through the kitchen, they'll go to their room mm. and they'll worry alone. Yeah. See, it's fine. What is that though? Because I had parents who were, I mean, I just I think they were probably were very open with, they could always go to them, but I didn't always. So what is that stoppage for teenagers to not go to their parents? Well, as you become a teenager and you turn from a boy into a man, the society tells us every movie, every TV, every... So it's, it's not always the parent. And this, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm picking up my phone here. It's lit, You can have the most supportive parents in the world. I've been with at funerals where people have taken their life and I look at the mum and dad and I go, they just seem to me to be absolutely spot on and they were open to the new way of bringing up a kid and stuff. Sometimes kids just don't have whatever it is in them to actually tell people they're in mm. crisis and in trauma. Well, I'll put a funny light on a serious situation. Would you believe when I grew up, I was bullied. And I was bullied for all things, would you believe, for having long hair. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> because ironically, my mum must have wanted a girl. So I had long blonde hair. My mum used to love me having long hair. So I'd go to school. I'll never forget it. And I would get picked on all the time. They'd say, you're a boy or a girl. Look at your hair, you pussy. Was this at primary school? Primary school, school okay. and even at the start of high school. Do you think school. that's why it just fell out because it was so fatigued? It was under it duress. Was just, it was under trauma. <laughs> but but the, uh, yeah, MG's the same. MG, uh, MG has got this head of hair. That's that Mark Guy for Mark, anyone. Yeah, 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 Mark Guy for anyone doesn't know. He, he You do a bald head well. Yeah. There's certain blokes that do bald head. head. That's true. When yeah. you see them back in the day with hair, you're like, oh, that does that make, just, makes, no make no sense. Makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the moral of the story is, you know, once again, that there's bullying everywhere. And I suppose it's trying to tool up your kids 
as much as you can to handle that and build resilience. And do you want to speak about resilience? Because it is a thing that, um, you know, we're, we're led to believe that's this ultimate sort of goal of pursuit to be resilient. But can you explain why having the right amount of resilience and then being able to speak at the same time yeah, is important? Yeah, that's, that's the absolute key. And that is the $64,000 question. And going back to social media, it's 24-7 now, right? My girls in particular have six or seven apps open at once, having all these different discussions. You can't tell me you've got, you haven't had a text message at some stage and it reads a bit wrong. And you go, oh, I didn't. I wonder, wonder why they took it that way. It may not have been taken that way. They just wrote it in a hurry and there isn't a comma where it should be or it just doesn't read. It's always better to talk to someone eye to eye, face to face. But our kids never been more connected but never, ever really talk face to face anymore. It's always through these devices. So resilience is a tough one because I don't think anyone really has absolutely nailed it down to know that point where, you know what, I'm not going to bother anyone with this. I'm going to take this on myself. And then at some point, there's a tipping point there and somewhere there, you've got to go, you know what, I've got to be brave enough. I may be a little embarrassed that I didn't bring it up earlier. I thought I could handle it. So I failed and I need to tell someone I failed for them to be able to help me. All that stuff's going on as blokes are getting, turning from boys to men, Mm. which is the time where blokes are most at their, you know, testosterone's going through their body and everything. And they don't want to be anything but strong. So to show some sort of weakness and vulnerability at that point is difficult. So... All I was going to say to my kids is, and thank God it happened with Jack and it happened with our girls too, they ended up telling us months after what they should have, mm. but they didn't tell us at the at a crisis point. They told, us, they told us that what they thought was a crisis point, we knew as adults that that crisis point was still quite a long way away, but I still would have loved them coming to me earlier. But anytime your kid comes to you and says, I want to talk, please put down your device. Please put down everything. Don't take a phone call. Go for a walk outside. Don't be distracted and take it in. It's called parenting. Yeah, do you think that's missing? I I believe it's missing so much. Bloody oath it is, you know. Go into a food court now and nobody's eating. They're looking at their phone while eating. (laughs) So they're not even conscious of the fact they're eating. It happens with families. I go to dinner now and I see families out. And they're all got their own device. Yeah. They're not connecting. No, they're not connecting at all. They they, are, they feel they're connected yeah. and stuff. And there might be the odd sort of, oh, this is interesting. And then someone, oh, and you go back to your own thing again. I'd, we had this thing and it took months to sort of get in at home was there's a basket just just inside our door. You put your phone in your basket and there's a power charger for all the five, there's five of us at home. Power charger goes in, that sits there. You do not touch it till after dinner. Yeah. And then after dinner, you get it for an hour and all the kids now got alarm clocks, that's right? Great. Little Seiko alarm clock, little travel one, the ones we would have used in yeah, the yeah, 80s yeah. and 90s. And that's what wakes you up because they go, oh, I need my alarm. No, you don't. Yeah. You need a alarm. Yeah. So I'm going to get you an old-fashioned one and they they fight and they push back on you for ages. But now it's just a part of it. Presence is a gift that you need to give your kids so when they do come to you, you're aware oh. of what's going on. Exactly. And, you know, people go, well, you know, I'm working hard. I'm doing all I can to pay the bill. And I get all that. That is love. You know, that is providing and so forth, but nothing quite like sitting down and having a a vulnerable conversation. And you know what? Don't be scared to be a bit vulnerable yourself. Yeah. First day I said to my son, I didn't have the answer because I said, mate, every time you ask me a question, if I don't know the answer, I just bullshit you because that's what I thought the job was. Now I just say to him, mate, I don't know. And the first time I said that, he looked at me like, what do you mean? I've never heard that before. And I go, well, I've been bullshitting you for years. Let's work it out together. And we worked it out together. And now he says to me, Dad, do you know this? He actually said that though. I go, mate, I don't. He goes, no worries. And he'll come back and go, I checked that out. And so it starts that communication again. Mm. Well, it starts with vulnerability. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. 
what about for people out there that have a loved one that is suffering from mental health issues? It's a really tough thing to go through. Oh, yeah. I know firsthand seeing it with some of my good friends and, and the family members, they feel left alone and they feel vulnerable themselves because there's no one there to help them. What's your, what's your advice for people there that are trying to help someone with a mental health issue? Yeah, just be vulnerable yourself. Yeah. Just always be fair, there for them. And, and there's a reason why we're given two ears and one mouth. You know, we should be using the ears twice as much as we use our mouth. It's hard for blokes like us. We're communicators, right? You do your job. I do my job by talking. The best thing I can do is sit back and just listen, yeah. you know, and sit in some awkward silence too. If your son or daughter's trying to explain something to you and they haven't quite got the emotional muscle to do it, that means they're going to struggle to tell you what's going on. So just sit there and be patient. It might take two or three minutes for them to get a sentence out. Just sit in it. Thing is, we've got to learn how to do that because we've never, ever done that before. We are continually wanting to help our kids. So as they're trying to say something, we're going, oh, they're trying to say this, so you finish the sentence for them. It might be completely different to what they wanted to get out. Let them use their own words. Don't help them in that situation. It's a great hack. You're helping them by just being there and listening. And if you listen there for long enough and you continue to do that type of routine, then you'll have a relationship with your kid which is actually full, which is full of vulnerability, is full of happiness, full of all the different emotions, and that's what it's about. And then they'll become better parents as well. And what about them? If they're trying to obviously deal with the stress of that themselves, they should go and speak to someone about what they're going through is oh, important. I, 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 there's some people that just don't have the connections and friends like we have to be able mm. to have the conversation. So to finding someone professional is great. Sometimes I see a professional only because I don't quite know how to word it properly. So I just feel that someone who's probably heard it a thousand times might be able to give me that advice. I got my car serviced the other day. No problem taking it to a mechanic. So why do I want to get my mind serviced? Mm. Why, why have we got such a problem in this country mm. of going to the doctor or, ah, oh, it's, only, it's only a sniffle or it's only this or that? Well, just go and see someone and see if they can help you. There's a reason they've been to university for five or seven mm. years. These doctors are smart. Well, I think it's an expectation of perfection. And if we're not true. perfect, then there's something wrong as opposed to understanding that you're never going to be perfect and that's the great part. Absolutely. You realising you're not going to be perfect is, is, the, is the golden ticket. Yep. You know, we are, we are going into Willy Wonka land with that. But by saying, oh, I've got this issue, actually then all, all of a sudden validates in your head that you're not perfect and that's a hard thing to deal with. What we should say is like, I'm trying to find out the things that I'm not perfect in this world. Yeah. What are the things I'm not perfect at? Like, what are the things? You, you're so good, Mad Dog, at so many things. You've given so much love and success to people on the oh, footy field. You. Now <laughs> you're doing all this stuff for charity. People don't even know how much money you're giving away to everyone. You've got all that stuff going on, but there's something in your world you know you're not good at. If you just admit that, you go, well, yeah, I, I know I'm not perfect at this and this, but gee, I'm ticking some boxes everywhere else. You know, my wife still loves me or my kids still love that's enough. We shouldn't have to be trying to strive to be perfect. Yeah. So can you, you talk to people out there that are struggling around that? Because I always use the analogy myself for myself that it's a bad day, not a bad life. Yes. So, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's okay not to be it's, okay. It's okay. All those yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Like I was talking, dropping a name here and I apologize, but talking to Prince Harry during the Invictus Games because yeah. I was one of the ambassadors. And I said, it's, it's okay not to be okay. And he sort of looked at me and he said, you, did you say that in your Man Up program? I'm looking and go, Jesus Christ, the Prince, whatever his yeah. face knows that I did this TV yeah, show and stuff. Funny. I'm trying to have to focus <laughs> here. And I'm like, um, yeah. And, and I said, a lot of people are just like, one day I'm depressed. I'm anxious. You can actually be anxious going to a job interview and then be fine afterwards. Like I know people do have anxiety. I know people have do have depression. But sometimes you can have a bad week, a bad month. You can have a bad year. 
doesn't mean you're not going to come out the other side. And it's all about talking, explaining it, having people helping you. That will help you get out of it a lot better than us trying to, you know, bumble along just in our heads. And sometimes the saying it of yourself, I'd noticed is cathartic enough. Sometimes if I've just started talking to someone, you hear yourself and you go, Oh, that was a horrible idea, actually. Yeah. What am I talking about? Uh, you, go, oh, you just sorted yourself out yeah. by just putting the words out there. If, if we're talking to ourselves without verbalising it, we're in massive trouble. Well, I'll tell yeah. you a funny story. The other day I bumped into a teammate of mine who was single, didn't have kids, and unfortunately my daughter was up with an earache all night. I didn't get a lot of sleep and I, I, I was uh, seeing him. He goes, oh, geez, you, uh, how are you going? I said, oh, I'm so tired and these kids are killing me and – I was, I was having this conversation with him. I could just see his face all of a sudden. It was, just went from this smile to this, oh, that's crap. And then I just went, geez, I'm being real positive, aren't I? <laughs> but without having that person to actually reflect, he was like a mirror yes, that I could right. look into and say, look at my current mental state. I'm yeah. being very negative. I'm speaking, you know, whilst I may not be intending to be negative, but mm. it was the mirror opportunity for me. And that's why having somebody to speak to. They can then say to you, are you aware of what you're saying? Are you aware of, you know, your mental state at the moment? It's so important, isn't it? Imagine if you hadn't, imagine no. imagine if he had said, how are you? And you just went like the typical normal bloke would have gone bullshitted and yeah. said, oh, mate, flying. You know, yeah. the podcast's going really well. You know, I've been giving money away to charity. The man shakes on fire. Yeah. And you would have walked away. It was a bullshit conversation, yeah. which meant nothing. And it was a lie. And he would have thought, oh, mad dog's flying. Yeah, and, But you uh, actually gave him the truth but and I didn't it gave like you the truth. the truth That back. was interesting. I didn't like the truth back because what I was, I was really, seeing this mirror, I was going, I don't want to be that negative person. I want to have these negative thoughts. I should be grateful that my child is actually well. It was only a bit of sleep. Yeah. So what having that conversation allowed me to do was actually rationalize it. Yeah. And I think that's so important. When our thoughts become irrational, that's when it's dangerous. That's right. That's why you need to verbalize all mm. your thoughts. Yeah. Because the demons in your, we've all got them. We've all got yeah. dark moments where things are going badly. But I, you know, I'm the same as you. A couple of times I said to my wife, I'm worried about this, this, and this. As I've said it, Al, She's looking back at me going, you seriously worrying mm. about that? Like, yeah. really? Yeah. Compared to everything else that's going on in the world yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that? And I'm like, you're right. Perspective. I can see. Exactly. But, but if, yeah. if I'd kept that to myself and worried alone, then I could have been in some trouble. There's an interesting middle ground between what you two are saying is when your mate Adam came out and said to you, how are you? You didn't lie. However, when you told the truth, uh, and that's what you're saying, um, Gus, is don't lie and go, yeah, I'm doing hits well because you had a crap night. Yeah. But also you're saying, however, when I said I had a crap night, I also have to have gained perspective on what that looks like yeah. when I've had a bad night. Yeah, it, I am tired. Yeah, an earache is a pain in the ass. But actually, I've got this great little kid and, yeah. you know, it's not too bad. But you you did say something. It's about finding that middle ground of either not not saying it at all or being super negative all of the time. And being aware too. I think it's very important to be aware of the language that you're having because it's so powerful on your yeah. physical state as well as your emotional state. So, you know, and I, I think um, being aware of the things you can control, you can control a lot of things emotionally, the way you perceive things. And, you know, my, my wife gave me a great tip when we first started dating. She asked me why my car was so messy. And um, I said, oh, because I'm so busy, you know, I'm on my way to training, I'm eating on the way to training, I'm going to university, whatever, whatever. And she goes, yeah, but you know the problem with that? She goes, if you have a bad game and you jump into an untidy car, she said, then your whole life's crap. I went, what? <laughs> and she goes, well, think about it. She goes, you might have a bad game, but at least you get in a clean car, you feel like you've got some sense of control. But if everything in your life environmentally is in chaos and an untidy house, an untidy car, all of a sudden you feel helpless. Yeah, right. That your whole life is a reflection upon being 
hopeless. So what did you do? So I, I cleaned my car. So it was really <laughs> interesting though, but you know, it's the truth. Like there's things we can control which will help with our mental health. Oh, for sure. I mean, life comes down to mm. choices and, yep. and I know this sounds a little bit wanky and stuff, no, but no. if you choose to do the right thing more often than not, you know, yeah. that 80, 20 rule, yep. like eight things out of 10, I'm going to do pretty well, yeah. then life ends up being pretty good. If yeah. you do nine out of 10, it's just a little bit better and so forth. But it gets back to what you said 10 minutes ago, our don't try to be perfect. And, and can know. I ask you, because we started at the, the top of this podcast speaking about how great you actually look without embarrassing you, but thanks, man. mentally, have you noticed a big change as well? Because I see the glow on your face now. It's amazing. Yeah. Just the energy. So sleep. Did you really realize how important <laughs> sleep was? Let's be honest, because sleep contributes so much yeah. to our mindset. Well, I think I had the situation where my body was shocked out of bed every morning mm. at 3.30. You know, 3.30 is just not the time like 10 to years get up. Or so 10 and a half years. And it would have been hard for you to leave that. I, I assume there would have been a lot of fear for you going, I'm not doing breakfast anymore. Oh, absolutely. There was a whole lot. Of, and I went through a grieving process too. Yeah. The, the show I had with Maddie and MG to a certain degree was just the greatest thing that I could ever imagine to have. And then Pagey came on board as well. So we had this real camaraderie. It was the closest thing I had to what you would have had with the Knights and mm. Kangaroos and mm. State of Origin. So as a sports fan, to be with two blokes that you looked up to, it was just the best, most exciting thing. Plus you, get paid, <laughs> plus you get paid well and all those things and then you get a little bit of fame and whatever and you think, this is really cool. And then once Gotcha for Life obviously became bigger and needed me, once I had made that decision, I was so sad. I went through so many. I had a couple of days. My wife and I went to New York on the Friday. I made the decision. We're in New York on the Sunday. We had a week off, and I didn't get out of bed on the Wednesday until the Thursday. And she said, "Okay, come on, we're going to dinner." I'd been in bed all day, and it was about seven thirty at night. And she said, "Come on, we're going to dinner." I said, "No, babe. We'll just get some Uber Eats and stuff into the apartment we're at." She goes, "We're going out." And that's it. And we're out till three, four in the morning. She shook me out of it. Yeah. But I just said, she said, you had to go through this grieving process because you love that place. You love Triple M. You loved Maddie. You loved MG. You love Beijing. Now you've got the new team in. You're going to really miss Moon Man. You're going to miss Jess. You're going to miss the producing team. Just being in there every day. You know, the breakfast show is the hub. It's the heart of the joint. And I was a big part of that for a decade. You know, I absolutely am now in much better place, but I had to go through it. And if I had just buried those emotions and not been vulnerable to my wife, I'd be in no place now to be able to lose the weight that the I'm doing. The key was that your wife was there, and that's a community to once your she's a village pull you out of it on the other side, though. Otherwise, you might have stayed in there for too well, long. She also said to a couple of my mates, I can't quite handle this. He's going through a bit of stuff. I need you guys to come mm. over. I need this is when we got back to Australia. I need you guys to come in and help me here. You need to remind him, you know, of what why he made the choices that he made and so forth. So I went on walks with a few mates and we didn't say a lot, but I just they just had my back. So your sense of identity was challenged, and that's the big thing athletes struggle with. You know, all of a sudden yeah. I was Adam McDougall, a footballer, and then overnight nobody cares anymore because I'm not the footballer. So I've worked Someone else is years. in your jersey. Yeah, someone else. And for 30 years, that's who I was, really aspiring to be this footballer. And then overnight you wake up and it's finished. Mm. But realising that wasn't who I really was was the key to me not suffering, fortunately, any sort of mental health effects. But a lot of my teammates have because yeah. that's their whole life was that identity. And that's where midlife crisis happened. So if you are listening, you are going through a stage in your life where you are struggling with your identity, just realize that, you know, the stories that you tell yourself about yourself aren't always real. So, and that's why a lot of guys, you know, go out and buy the flashy cars and they look for happiness in materialistic things mm, because they yeah. think that will make them happy. Because all of a sudden, you know, they've told themselves this story about how life should be for so long. And one morning they wake up and they might get to 40 and all of a sudden 
their life isn't the way they told themselves it should be. Mm. There's this disconnect. It's incongruent. And that's what we want as human beings is congruency. We want to be true to ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves and what our lives actually are. Yeah. But you can really change the narrative of that story overnight to realize that the story doesn't have to be this certain way. Beliefs are what? Just bullshit stories we tell ourselves that life should be a certain way. Yeah. But that's really important. If you are listening, please just realize that the story you tell yourself or the story you've been told from your parents or other people, people that bullied you at school, isn't who you are. No. That isn't who you are. So please, you know, if you need to speak to somebody, please do that. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Mad Dog. And you realise that if you're going through stuff, look around because mm. everyone else is going through yeah. it as well. When we have our, our blokes nights, mm. you sit in one of those for a couple of hours in those blokes nights, you look around and you realise there's 200 blokes going through exactly what mm. you're going through or something close and you realise you're not alone. Not alone. We're you're all not us. alone and you mm. go, okay. So give myself a bit of a break here because every other person is going through something that I've nailed, they're, they're not nailing, something they're nailing, I'm not nailing. So start a conversation. These are the same blokes that we're beeping and not allowing into our lane in the, in the streets around mm. the northern beaches of New South Wales. These are the people that we're, you know, trying to jump in front of to get our coffees and stuff. If, if we lived our life the way we live in that safe environment when we're open, honest and vulnerable in these blokes' nights, it would be the greatest the greatest place on the planet. But of course, you know, we if we don't learn these lessons, then we end up going back to what we used to think was the right way to do it. And that leads to the men mental issues we've got at the moment. Well, I always say we're like ducks. On the surface, everyone looks nice and calm, but under the water, the feet are going a million miles an hour. And you really don't know what other people are going through. Like mm. I use this story about Ricky Stewart when I, you know, was involved in rugby league and he was always somebody that I worked with on TV and, you know, he, he coached us and, you know, he was somebody that was pretty angry man. And I used to think this place a bit of a prick, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it wasn't until, you know, I got to see the feet under the water and his personal circumstances that he had this daughter that was severely autistic and the struggles he was going through to obviously deal with that. And it was an incredible thing that he was doing to manage all the stresses in his life. And that's probably why he was cranky and he was a little bit aggressive and short at times. Well, you took the time yeah. to get to know him a little yeah. bit and you were kind enough to listen to it. So everything changed. But he's just a great man and he's gone now and built, you know, facilities. Great foundation. Great he's foundation. got there, and, yeah. And, you know, when you really sort of look through the lens of other people's glasses, you then appreciate what they're seeing. And that's the difficulty with a lot of us. Yeah. Because we're not willing to step back and maybe ask when someone does cut you off in traffic. Well, hang on, maybe that person's going home to see their sick kid. That's why they're in a rush. Mm. Rather than making about ourselves, I think that's give really them, a big give, step. Give that people we can do. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's a we big don't thing do that enough. for mental health. I think it's so important. Yeah. Make it about ourselves all the time when it's not always about us. That's it. All right, mate. So you, you've obviously made some huge changes with your lifestyle, which has had a positive impact on your health. Mm. Are there any other things outside of sleep that you'd put a big tick next to that yeah, people should do? Better food. Better you food. You know, I'm just a massive fan of the takeaways and the yeah. cheesies and that sort of stuff and fries and whatever. And I just I just now eat really good food. So someone told someone told me this, and I can't believe I'm actually <laughs> saying this, but they say every plate is like the best bit of real estate on the planet. Yeah. So if the whole planet was free of any houses and you got the, you were the first one <laughs> that got to choose the place they want to live, every plate of food is that. Yeah. So would you then put a piece of crap on there or would you put something with solid foundations? So I forth? love this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no. I, you know, would you put a tent up? 
So that might be a burger as the tent or fried chicken might be, you know, something. So I go, no, I want something with good foundations and I want something to be solid. I wanted people in 500 years to go look at that place looking over the water. So, <laughs> so he said the only way you can do that is by having different colours on your plate. So all the different things going on, you've got your av- avocado, you've got your eggs, you've got your salads, you've got your veggie, you've got a little bit of protein but not too much, you know, and stuff. And just accept that that plate is the best house that you can ever have and have that every time you sit down for a meal. Now, that is impossible for some people. I get that. But as a general rule, 80-20 rule again, that's what I've been doing. Lost 18 kilos and I've, like I went to Rough and Bear today, this great cafe in Crow's Nest, and I sat there and I just looked at my plate and I'm not a take a photo or a yeah, type, yeah, yeah. but I went, that is so beautiful. I'm going to take a photo of it. I took a photo of this plate of food and I'm just like, I'm about to put that in my head, in my, in my tummy. And then... Got to the salad bit and I'm like, I'm so bored, you know, and it just doesn't taste as good as stuff that I remember being. And I thought, no, come on, you just got to eat it. And now that was three hours ago. I don't feel at all hungry. I know that, you know. Oh, I just love the hacks. I'm a work in progress. I just love the hacks. You've really shown how important sleep is and you've learned how important sleep is. You've changed your relationship with food and you've seen it not just as something that can, you know, numb something or, or fill a void in something. You actually see it for what it is and it's something that's living. Yeah. And something that feeds your body. Food is information. It actually changes your whole chemistry, which you're learning. Yeah. And you're seeing the after effects of what you eat, how that impacts you three or four hours later, how that affects your mood. So there's two great little hacks there as well for health, sleep, diet, um, meditation. Do you practice anything like no, that? No, my wife wants to. There's a bloke on the northern beaches that does it and I'm just so, babe, I haven't quite got there yet. Like I'm 51. I'm yeah. learning all this new stuff. Please don't throw meditation at me. <laughs> However, I do. I have found myself on Fox. They've had it on the movie channel. They had all the James Bonds on yeah, lately. Yeah. So I said, that's my meditation. Yeah. I go and I look at the difference between Roger Moore, uh, who I personally think is the best, and everyone goes, you're kidding, aren't you? Sean Connery. <laughs> but the Aussie bloke, he was Which awesome. they're correct. <laughs> yeah, most people say that. But I, that's my – and she, she'll she come in and say, oh, babe, got your life's up. I say, babe, please, can we not talk about it? You know, because she never switches off. Yeah, she's got yeah. one of those brains and she's a teacher so she's always 24 7 yeah i give myself those sort of breaks to watch a bit of sport or watch my james bond or whatever um no meditation yet no but but i think good. it probably it'll come i'm not quite sure if i can quieten the voices and stuff yet. well you're doing it when you watch sport that's what you're doing you really so that's my meditation that's your meditation you know okay can yeah. i tell her that meditation you're being mindful you're actually engrossed in something you're, oh. you're enjoying it that's where hobbies are. i just think you know, as much as I meditate and as much as I think it's great for people, but the act of just quietening your brain down and just focusing on something that gives you pleasure, that's meditation. So I don't have to sit there in no, a robe and no, of course, with my legs chanting crossed. And and <laughs> have a haircut like mine. And, <laughs> that's you know, good. You know, it's about finding something that gives you a point of focus and allows your brain joy. Okay. And, you know, sport does that for you and it builds connection with your friends. And, you know, the, the health benefits of going down having a beer with your mate, you know, just connecting with your friends, like that's meditation in itself. That's, yeah. that's mindfulness. You're good. in the present. And like you said, is that meditation doesn't have to be this really big thing. You can just be close your eyes and breathing just for like 30 seconds. All this is breathing and just slowing down. So yeah. whatever you can do to slow down is already meditation. Yeah. The sport, that's slowing down. Anything okay. you're doing just to calm your mind. So actually. Well, that's a hack for you, me, guys. You've you you me a hack you got today. a tip for your wife going, you know, you should probably switch your walk. Can I give them your number? Can you Absolutely call her and not. tell her? No, no. <laughs> 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 I'll now, play this podcast. Um, I know you're a big giver and we ask these people, we ask people this a lot in the podcast and it may sound like a cheesy question, but if you could give someone a book, what book would you give them and why? Oh, a, a book. Okay. Um, well, I am a bit of a cricket tragic, as you know, so I have 
books on cricketers and autobiographies are the biggest thing. Are you a statistic man? Is that what, oh, you, yeah. is that what I, the I appreciation for I have for the Wisden Almanac next to my bed of the of all through the 60s and I will look from page one through to the end and then put it down and pick up the next one. Was I it? love it. Okay. I, I try to find a bloke and then look at his form through the year and then I'll go back and look what the weather was like. Like I'm That's, seriously nerdy. That's why Smithy and I get along so well. We yeah. just, just talk cricket the entire time. Um, so book-wise for me, it always comes down to sport. That's my passion. That's what I absolutely love. And the greatest book that I've probably ever read is Steve Waugh's autobiography, only because he gets so deep. For a bloke who's really, really looked upon as like this stoic, tough Aussie bloke, he was very much into, you know, looking outside the boundaries on and trying to bring his team different opportunities. When they went on touring, they went and toured. They just didn't sit around the five-star hotel. So for me, it's a big, big, thick book, Steve Waugh's one. But uh, Steve Waugh's autobiography. Oh, good. Because it has got a lot more metaphors than just cricket in there. And I'm yeah. glad you picked that. Most people, people pick, you know, the seven effective habits of heart, you know, no. and things like that. Steve Waugh's autobiography. Exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of fun as well as I learned some stuff from it. Now, I've got to know him a little bit too and what a great man he is. Now, this is a weird one because you've been on many billboards before. Adam, do you want to ask the last question? Yeah, look, if you had the opportunity to put a billboard up in Times Square, what would that say? <laughs> um, be kind. Be kind. And if you be kind, then you've got to fill all the gaps on what it takes to be kind. If you do that, then you'll probably be okay yourself, plus you'll you'll make a lot of blokes feel good around you. What a great way to finish. We're going to give you a big podcast hug right now do on it. your ears. Do it. <laughs> Thanks for having me, boys. Pleasure. See ya. And remember, if you want us to hack into someone for you or just do a hacking episode on a topic that you really want to know more about, go to the Manshake socials, the podcast one socials or email healthhacker at themanshake.com.au. And if this episode has brought up anything for you with your mental health, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.